Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to my show, hello. I'm so glad that you found us. Fine. Is that what you answer when somebody says, how are you? I bet you do, because I used to do it too, until I learned that there could be an acronym to that, which I'll save for my guest to talk about. But... What if you've been in a dumpster fire in your life? What if you want to move on from that? How do you do it? How do you find peace and productivity and clarity in your life? Well, my guest today is someone who works with exactly that. She is Laurie Seitz, the CEO of Zen Rabbit. She's the host of the Fine is a Four-Letter Word podcast. She's also an award-winning writer, speaker, and broadcaster, and I can't wait to talk to her more about this whole concept of fine. So welcome to the show, Laurie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I mean, your journey obviously has been about from the dumpster fire to a new life. Share a little bit about that journey with my listeners. Yeah, it's interesting. I just wrote a post yesterday on LinkedIn about that journey and the constant shifting sand. And how do we maintain our balance when that is happening? So my story, so I have a background in marketing and corporate communications and started my first business in 2003. And, th- and I was making and selling a product called the Gratitude Cookie, where it was gift designed as a, a gift for businesses to, to give to their clients to say thank you to clients and people who sent them referrals. And that's where I really started talking about this whole concept of gratitude. And what does it mean? And what does it do for people? And I couldn't quite scale that business the way I wanted to. So I ended up shutting it down after 11 years. And at the same time that I decided to do that, my mom was diagnosed with an aggressive form of leukemia and she passed away six weeks later. And so as I was mourning the death of my mom and my business, I started thinking, do I want to live the next 20 years the same way I lived the last 20? And not that the last 20 had been terrible, they weren't by any means, but it was a, re- a time of reevaluation. You know, what, what do I want going forward and how might I want to change? Yeah, I get that because we all reach some sort of watershed or tipping point in our lives, don't we? And it makes us reevaluate who am I and what do I want out of my life? And, and, you know, I think so many of the listeners can relate to that that especially as we're in this kind of middle of our lives, this is the time when we think, well, what can I do next? Who am I? And I think it's interesting. I mean, how much did that background of selling gratitude cookies play a role in you moving forward? 
it helped with the being able to see gratitude in every situation. So closing that business was very difficult because it was my identity. It was what I did every day, all day. I mean, I threw my my soul into that business. And as I mentioned, I was a marketer and I felt like, okay, I'm not even doing a good job of marketing my own business. So I, it really beat up my, my self-worth to have to close this business. And at the same time, you know, looking back, that's part of the journey. It's part of like, okay, that happened. But getting to the point where I can say, okay, that happened and not have emotion attached to it took a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, that that's the difference, isn't it? We can say, I've let, okay, I've moved on, but we might not have let go of the past. So what were some of the initial things you did to start being able to let go and really move on? One of the things, so one of the lessons that I learned when I started that business was that I was not a very grateful person. So here I was selling this product, <laughs> right? And, and this is the benefit of having a coach or a mentor because I had a mentor who at the time pointed that out to me and gave me this exercise to do to help me become a more grateful person. So I, I throw that out there because there are exercises that I give my clients to really tap into finding more gratitude, becoming a more grateful person. So I had that already. Now I had this more grateful outlook to life. And then after my mom passed, I really got back more into, I should say consistently into meditating because she actually had taken my brother and me to a meditation course when I was 10 years old that's now known as the Silva method. So I learned, I had this background, but I didn't use it for another 35 years. Maybe if I had my business would have, that business would have turned out differently. But, (laughs) you know, again, live and learn. I came back to practicing meditation more consistently. And that really helped solidify my ability to stay grounded and calm. And again, going back to that post I wrote, the other day about the shifting sands. We're always trying to find our balance and meditation and gratitude for me have been those grounding forces. Yeah. And that just gave me goosebumps when you actually mentioned the silver method, because this morning it was doing some quick scrolling on Instagram and there was a whole thing about the silver method from Mind Valley. And I thought, God, I have forgotten this, but yeah, it triggered. And that is, that is weird. That gave me goosebumps when you said that, Laurie. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the interesting thing about Mind Valley and Vision, Lakiani, who's the founder, at this, about the same time, he has a book called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, which I just finished reading for the second time. But the first time I was going through it was right after my mom had passed. And he mentions that his introduction to meditation was also the Silva method. And he has created something called the six-phase meditation. And that meditation is what I was listening to on a daily basis that got me back into being consistent with it. Wow. Uh, Tell a little bit more about that because I'm not familiar with that approach to meditation. With the six-phase? The six-phase meditation, the six phases are the first one is... It's about relaxing into and 
feeling gratitude. I think the second phase is gratitude. The third phase is forgiveness. And then the fourth phase is picturing your what you would want your life to look like three years from now. The fifth phase is what does your ideal day look like when you're going through, you know, as you're working towards that ideal or that three years ahead. And then the sixth phase is calling on your higher power to bless you. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful practice, Laurie. I mean, that's, you know, for me, who's a Zen Buddhist meditator, that's very, very different, actually. You know, you just sit there and you let whatever come up, come up. This feels much more affirmation and purposeful in its approach. It's 15 to 20 minutes. He has a couple of different versions and it's moving through. So a lot of times when I'm talking to people, they say they can't meditate because they can't get rid of the thoughts in their head. And this helps eliminate some of that. I mean, you're never going to get rid of all the thoughts in your head. It's just not, you know, that's not what meditation is. It's not about getting rid of all the thoughts. It's about seeing them and coming back to your breath or the sound of the meditation teacher's voice or your mantra, whatever it is. It's a practice of allowing the thoughts and letting them go on. And so the way he's structured this is it's constantly moving. So you're thinking, you're you're focusing on these different... To me, at this point, it sometimes feels rushed to me because I would like to now take more time in between to feel those feelings, but it's a great, great practice and so many people have used it to get into a practice of meditation. I really, really like that because although a lot of other meditation and more mindfulness practices are very popular and I'm a mindfulness practitioner, I recognize that they're quite hard for people to, you know, get into because there's a lot of being still, even if you're scanning the body. But I really like the sense of this that here's 15 minutes and we're kind of moving through. But I, I appreciate your side on that, Laurie, too, that once you are a meditator, then it, you start to want to have periods of silence and stillness. But we're certainly not there in the beginning, are we? <laughs> No, no. And and I still use that meditation occasionally. I go back even this week was was using it. So yeah. Yeah. And then you talk about gratitude. Gratitude's part of that meditation, but expand a little bit more about obviously gratitude and and how it works and some of the science that underpins gratitude. Yeah, it's so interesting because you know, sometimes people tend to think these concepts of gratitude and meditation are just like some woo-woo, hippie kind of thing. And that's not it at all. There's so much science and research behind how it works. So for gratitude, for example, when you are practicing gratitude and recognizing things to be grateful for in your life, seeing them, recognizing them. You know, a lot of people talk about creating a gratitude journal to write down the things. And then I would take it a step further to say, write those things and also feel, like feel in your heart, the gratitude for them. And this causes the release of those feel-good chemicals from your brain, oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, and it strengthens the neural pathways in your brain. Those, the, the way your brain is wired, it actually changes the way your brain is wired. 
And there have been studies on reducing physical pain. It has the capability to reduce physical pain, boosting your emotional health, improving sleep quality. I'm sure you have listeners who are struggling with perhaps with sleep quality. Just a few. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And reduces cortisol. You know, we've all got stress in our lives some more than others. And it in boosts, it increased the effectiveness of your immune system, which has there ever been a time in history, well, maybe in history, but in our history, where that has been more important than now. So all of these things are benefits of practicing gratitude. And they're exactly the kind of benefits that my listeners who are 90% perimenopausal women are going That sounds right for me, dialing down my stress, helping me to sleep, making me feel emotionally more balanced is just so important. And as you said, in a time of COVID, which is still unfortunately kicking around, there is certainly a need for all of us to have a stronger immune system. And that's amazing. That just comes really from practicing gratitude on a daily basis. Yes. And the price is right. Because it's free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that that is really the interesting part that, you know, we can all practice gratitude. We can all, you know, find a pen and a piece of paper and sit down and write a few gratitude notes. And, And there definitely have been brain studies, haven't they, where they've shown that the shape and structure of your brain can change. Am I right there, Laurie? Yes, yes. It changes your how your brain is wired. And the beautiful thing about this is our brains are being rewired all the time. Social media has actually had been designed to rewire people's brains in a very scary way. And so I don't know if you've uh, seen it's I think it's a couple years old now on Netflix, they had a show called The Social Dilemma. And that talked about how social media is designed to rewire people's brains, to get them addicted to these different platforms. So the thing is, though, that gratitude and meditation also rewire the brain and they give you the power to rewire your own brain, how you would prefer it to to be. Yeah. So we want emotionally to have a well-developed emotional centers in the brain And we don't want to have the overreactive bits in the brain. Right, right. Supi, so you are wired then to respond intelligently instead of react, flying off the handle and just, you know, this is one of the other things that, and and I talk about gratitude and meditation as interchangeable. They're two different concepts and two different practices, but they have a lot of the benefits overlap. And so you're increasing your emotional intelligence. You're rewiring yourself to be, like I said, more, have the ability to respond instead of react. And so that helps your strengthen your relationships, whether they're at work or at home, you're strengthening your relationships because you are less likely to be drawn into conflict. Yeah, of course. And, and you're likely to just be a little bit more like you pause a bit before you react. Yes, more reflective and more accepting. Another very important concept for us in this time of life when so much is happening and our bodies are changing, we don't want to get older, 
we maybe don't want to get a bit wide around the waist or <laughs> whatever. And actually, that's where gratitude and mindfulness practices can help us just to be a bit more accepting that this is part of life and not so, how should we say, reactive or pushing it away or even maybe avoidance is the other side of that. Resisting. Yeah. I'm sure you've, you've heard the phrase that what you resist persists. And then I've also heard another addition to that, which is what you accept, you can change. So acceptance is not resignation. It's okay. This is what is. And once you recognize this is what is, this is what's happening, you can move forward in changing it or we're not changing it, whatever you choose, but you have to recognize where you are first. Yeah. So maybe a good way to say it's more like acknowledging where I am. Acceptance does have in, in English a kind of like, oh, I give in, it's karma. But that's not, that's not what we're talking about here, is it? No, no. It is an acknowledgement. Just, okay. All right. I, I got it. Like I heard you, you know, when you acknowledge somebody, you accept what they're saying is a place of understanding. Yeah. I'm okay. I hear this is happening, but I'm, I'm kind of going to be okay with it right now. Is that a good way to talk about that? Yes. It's again, it's an acceptance. Like this is the starting point. And so if you know where you're starting from and you know where you'd like to go, you can take that path to get there. Yeah, I get, I get that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So you're, you're kind of like, okay, I'm not going to resist, as you said, I'm not going to fight it. But that's in not doing so that then becomes a jumping off point to change. Right, right. Because change doesn't mean fighting it. You can change something by taking actions. And that doesn't mean fighting. No, I get that. But you said you weren't a naturally grateful person. So <laughs> and I bet lots of us aren't or haven't been. And I think if I was some of my listeners and some of the stories I heard, I heard this morning, actually, I would have said, boy, it's pretty hard to be grateful for some of my menopause symptoms. How do you actually hop over that those hurdles or hurdle and you say, really, I don't want to be grateful? What kind of things work or can be used there, Laurie? There are, I'll tell you two things. At first, I'll tell you the story of how my mentor pushed me into accepting or, or recognizing how to be more grateful. And that was, there's a book called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. It was written in 1920 something, I think, 1930, somewhere around there. So almost a hundred years ago. And it's on, um, it, you can get it for free now in it because it's in public domain so you can download it the, chapter 7 is about gratitude and my mentor paul had me read that chapter for 30 days twice a day once in the morning once at night read chapter 7 all the chapters are pretty short like four pages maybe so 30 days of reading that twice a day to get it really into my brain and it's amazing how relevant what he talks about in that book from a hundred years ago is to what is happening in our world today. Crazy. So that was the one thing. If, you, if people are up for that challenge, I did it, but yeah. And it did, it did change my mindset. 
The other thing is that I like to give my clients an exercise to, because we are going to, we are human. So we are going to complain and criticize. Like, so catch yourself when you find yourself, when you hear a complaint coming out of your mouth, catch yourself and add on to it. But I'm grateful for. Oh, that's a nice one, Laura. Yeah. So you're kind of counterbalancing the negative. Yeah. And so now some of your listeners may have heard the recommendation that we not use the word, but use and when you're saying something, because the word, but negates the first part of that phrase, whatever you just said before, but is now negated. So you did a great job, but I'd rather see the person doesn't even hear that first part. Now, in this case, we're using it intentionally to negate the first part of that sentence. So tell me, some, what were you talking about this morning that you were complaining about as far as the, the menopause? <laughs> oh, we were talking about one of my guests. She had, you know, horrific pain and panic attacks, you know, to the point that she sort of was collapsing in car parks and stuff like that. So, you know, if she said, you know, it's really tough, I'm, I'm struggling with my menopause, but I'm grateful for two beautiful daughters or something like that, that would have been an ideal way. Right, right. Or that I have a supportive system of friends or whatever it is. You can find, it it could be anything. It could be, I'm grateful I have a house to live in or I have a warm cup of tea. Yeah. It, It doesn't have to be that big, does it? No. No, it's just the act of training yourself to look for some gratitude in every situation, every situation, no matter how negative or bad, quote unquote bad it looks, you can find gratitude in it. It's a matter of looking for it. And as you get better at this, I mean, it's, it's that whole, goes back to that whole thing of you, you will always find more of what you're looking for. So if you're looking for things to complain about, you will find them. If you're looking for things to be grateful for, you will find them too. Yeah, because your brain becomes wired to look for whatever you focus on. There's your attention again. Yeah. I'd love to turn a little bit to this word fine (laughs) because that's very much where your podcast and a lot of your work is also focused. I mean, that's out right out. Why is fine a four-letter word? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, you you mentioned about acronyms at the beginning, and my version of fine is a four-letter word has nothing to do with any of the acronyms I've heard. It doesn't stand for that at all. It actually stands for the word itself, which we are conditioned to say when someone says, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. And most of the time when people say, I'm fine, it's a conditioned response. They're not even thinking, and they're not really fine either. They have like you said, a dumpster fire going on somewhere and they just don't want to share it with the person who just asked them how they're doing or they don't even want to admit it to themselves. Like, yeah, everything's fine here. If I don't dig too deep, it's okay. You know, I don't have to do any work and it's okay. I can, I can pretend everything is fine. Yeah. That's not a way to live. That's surviving, barely. Yeah. And, and uh, that, I presume... Well, it comes from ourselves, but it comes from our social conditioning as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So if that's what we do, I mean, how do we change, 
using that word. I mean, that's obviously part of your program, but I mean, that's such a default position. How do we take steps to change that? Awareness. It all comes back to awareness. And now that every single person who's listening to this podcast has heard that fine is a four-letter word, the next time they hear themselves saying it or they hear somebody else saying it, they are going to think fine is a four-letter word. So yeah, it comes back to the awareness of seeing it happening, hearing yourself saying it, and recognizing, okay, I want something different. Like acknowledging, again, acknowledging to yourself that this is not okay. When we were talking earlier about my question to myself of, do I want to live the next 20 years? This time in midlife is really about a, a reevaluation. And is living in a place where everything is fine? Is that okay? I mean, people live there their entire lives and it's okay. Is that what you want for yourself? Is the question. Yeah. And I suppose, I mean, sometimes things might be, they might just be okay. I mean, you might just find that they're fine. You know, they're ticking along, they're neutral. You're not unhappy or happy. You're just kind of there. But you're right. For a lot of us, it's, it's not being able to face up to those issues in our life, whether they're our own health and well-being, whether they are related to our relationships. Or And I think we answer fine a lot at places like workplaces or when we ask, and, and how are things between you and your husband or you and your kid? You go, oh, they're fine. But in fact, they're very rarely. <laughs> well, they are. I mean, I would say things, you know, they are, they're more intense than that, particularly in those spaces. <laughs> I completely agree with that. Yes, that is true. And like we said, that's okay. It's okay if that's really where you want to be. However, our souls are designed to for growth and empowerment and bigger, ex- more expansive things. And so if you really want to live a more joyful life, then it's about tapping into your soul and what is it? What does it want to tell you? you know, hearing your own inner truth. And then that comes right back to why meditation is so important because it gives you the a tool and the ability to tap into that inner truth, to hear your own voice, that voice that no one else can hear. You can ask a hundred people for their opinions and their counsel. And the only one that really matters is your own voice. Because your own voice is so much more powerful. So if you are negative, if you answer fine and brush it under, then that becomes, I suppose, the pattern of of your life and who you are, rather than reflecting and stepping back and saying, well, actually, what do I want? And, And who am I? And how can I grow? We have far more control than we might realize. And that is both an empowering and a scary thing. Yeah, very, very true. We, we, we have, I mean, our brains are powerful. Our mind is powerful. Yeah, we have far more control over our, I want to say situation. Like we can't necessarily control circumstances, but again, we can control how we respond to them. We can control how we move forward in life instead of just allowing. I mean, we talked about allowing, but I'm saying allowing yourself to just be drawn along by the current 
or do you want to actually swim to get to where you, you know, to, to the place that you'd like to be, where the place you would prefer to be? Yeah. And that's obviously that's self-leadership and that's empowerment. People listening to this, and I know because I speak publicly about meditation, mindfulness, and those areas often say to me, it's too hard. I can't do it. I tried and I gave up. What's your response to those people, Laurie? I like to share, break down the myths and misconceptions around what meditation is. And we talked a little bit about that earlier in terms of it's not about clearing all the thoughts in your head. The other question I would ask is, how hard is it to live how you're living right now? How comfortable are you? And often people are not comfortable because they're so overwhelmed. They live in so much anxiety. That's hard too. So choose your hard. Do you want, <laughs> do you want it to be hard as you get into the practice of meditation, which is going to calm your entire nervous system, your brain, every, every aspect of your physical and mental being? And yes, maybe it is difficult in the very beginning and then it gets easier. Or you can stay in this place where you're living hair on fire every day. That's hard too. Yeah, exactly. Or you're just existing. You're putting one foot in front of the other and that's kind of nothing's happening. Yeah. And what kind of existence is that? It, when you get to the end of your life, and you look back, what do you want to have contributed to the world? What do you want your legacy to be? Yeah. And I think particularly as we get into midlife and beyond, I think a lot more of us do step back as I have, I'm sure you have too, Laurie, and said, what is my legacy? What am I leaving behind for all am I doing for the generation coming behind me, coming up after me? And what do I need to do to either make that better or even get that started. Yes. And that may seem like a very big and daunting perspective, like oh, a legacy, like it's so big. Well, even if you don't want to get that big in the perspective, it's just about living each day more joyfully. I prefer to live in a place of, from a place of joy every day, just because it's happier, right? Happier. Every, you ask most people what they want in life, and they say, I just want to be happy. And yet they're not. Yeah, and that is absolutely true. It feels like it's the holy grail. Everybody's telling you, but I think the, the large majority of people aren't in that space. And what if people say, well, I've tried meditation. Not only is it hard, but I'm just so busy. I never make the time. How do you respond to that one? It's a very common complaint. Yeah. I hear that one all the time too. That, those are the two. I'm not good at it and I don't have time. Five minutes a day is better than zero minutes a day. You know, you could stop what you're doing right now as you're listening or maybe when we're finished, when the podcast episode is over. Okay. Stop and just put your hand on your heart and take a few deep breaths. Just breathe in and let it go. Most people are not breathing. They're breathing very shallowly. So even just doing that is a form of meditation. It's very basic. Breathing in, taking some deep breaths, oxygenating your whole body and brain. The other thing about the time factor with meditation is that, and there's a reason, the highest performing business leaders, highest business leaders and athletes all practice meditation, not because they have nothing else to do with their time, right? They have, they're doing it because it actually gives you more time. 
for the reasons we talked about earlier in making you more focused, more productive, more effective, more efficient. When you spend time in meditation, let's say you spend 15 minutes a day, you now, all the other, the rest of the tasks you need to do throughout the rest of your day are going to take you less time. So if you're working on a project that you might normally take three hours to do, and it only takes you two hours, and you spent 15 minutes in meditation, you just bought yourself 45 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's amazing. And just think, what could I do that was fun or good for me in those 45 minutes? And there you have your 45 minutes, listeners, for your workout, your walk. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All those other things you tell me you don't have any time for, lots and lots of times. (laughs) And so simply... Making time to meditate opens up your life in more ways than just the meditation. So many ways. Yeah. Laurie, I love talking about this because, I mean, I could talk about this all day, but I'd love to know a little bit more about your transformational program. Yeah. So my transformational program is called Fuck Being Fine. And within because... And the reason it's called that is because we reach this point where we're just like, I'm just done. Like no more. I can't stay in this place one more day. And so we just say, fuck being fine and are ready to take action. Within that program, I have what's called the Trilogy for Success Framework. And the trilogy includes gratitude, connections, which includes connection to ourselves and that meditation piece. And then that third piece is courage. Because we can have the gratitude and we can find the connection within ourselves. And then we still need the courage to move. And so I teach this as a for private clients one-on-one, as well as to corporate teams. So working with business leaders and teaching this to business leaders as well as their teams to make them again more effective and productive and ultimately more profitable. Yeah. And I love that last bit of courage because courage is such an essential part of us shifting, shifting energy, shifting our mindsets and taking action. I love that because otherwise gratitude can be feel and meditation too can feel fantastic, but passive. Yes. And there are still benefits to both of those things, even if you don't take any action, but I think that the, they set you up for action. So it's a natural flow that you would be into gratitude, into connection, and then it would flow into courage because you are now, you now have the tools to take the action. Yeah. That makes total sense to me, Laurie. (laughs) Yeah. That's beautiful. How can my listeners find out about your program and connect with your podcast and other things that you work on? Thank you for asking. My website is Zen Rabbit. My name of my company is Zen Rabbit. So my website is zenrabbit.com. And I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I mentioned that LinkedIn post, so you can find me on LinkedIn. My podcast, Fine is a four-letter word, is on all the the normal podcast platforms. And if your listeners are interested in a six-minute gratitude meditation I have, they can find that at the website at zenrabbit.com. Or actually, you can go to customized meditation. Yep. 
I don't want to confuse people. <laughs> Zenrabbit.com and find the meditation or customizedmeditation.com will take you to that same page and you can get a free six minute gratitude meditation. That is brilliant. I think that is a fantastic place for people to go. Go to your website. We're going to put all those links in the show notes. We're going to link through to some of those books as well, because I think that that will certainly help people maybe who are looking for something a little bit different. I love the the 30-day challenge. I could see myself taking that up too. Laurie, it's been a pleasure talking to you, to your energy, your passion, that you're working with individuals and corporates, thank goodness, to shift things in a more positive direction. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Clarissa. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that, because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.